Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. My name is Claire Lehman and I am Editor-in-Chief of Quillette. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent, grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. Our podcast is a team effort and is jointly hosted by myself and Canadian editor Jonathan Kay. You can support our podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Quillette and becoming a monthly patron. By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter. Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay. And if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I've been lucky enough to interview some pretty famous people on this show, like Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, and Steven Pinker. On today's show, likewise, I'll be interviewing, wait for it, an 80-year-old woman from Washington State who got thrown out of her local swimming pool after freaking out on an employee in the locker room. Okay, I know that doesn't sound like A-list stuff, but trust me, this is going to be interesting. You see, my guest's name is Julie Jaman, and her date with Quillette Podcasting Destiny began on July 26th in the woman's locker room at the public pool in Port Townsend, Washington. There she was at the local Y, minding her own business, when she heard a man's voice. And so she peeked out into the public change area and saw what to her eyes was a man. What's worse, Miss Jaman said, this male-bodied person was within line of sight of elementary school-age girls changing in and out of their bathing suits. So Miss Jaman, who has a long history in the community as a feminist, did pretty much what you'd expect someone in her position to do. She freaked out and asked this person to leave the locker room. But, of course, times being what they are, that's not where things ended. This male-bodied person turned out to be a recently transitioned male-to-female Y employee, and then another employee showed up, and it was Miss Jaman who was asked to leave the premises, on the claim that her locker room freakout had been transphobic. Oh, and also, the police got called on her, and she got banned from the pool for life, which for Miss Jaman was a pretty big deal. This is how the 80-year-old gets her exercise. The matter went before town council, where Ms. Jaman gave a three-minute oral presentation, and her supporters said a few words, as did some detractors who called Ms. Jaman a bigot. This included a local mother who brought her non-binary nine-year-old. Making things more surreal, Ms. Jaman then staged a protest in front of the Y for a few days, and it got picked up in the media, and now there's even a hashtag that's trending on Twitter, Let Julie Swim, and the story is still developing. Even now, two weeks later, as I am recording this introduction on August 11th, I've just heard news that the whole Port Townsend pool has been temporarily closed because of the controversy, with the town council now trying to find a solution, including, one hopes, letting Miss Jaman back into the pool. And now, without further ado, here is my interview with the woman who is at the center of all this, Port Townsend, Washington's most Twitter-famous octogenarian, Julie Jaman. So am I speaking to Julie? You are. You don't sound 80. Sometimes people say that, but I'm feeling pretty crotchety at this point, I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I've followed some of these culture war incidents in the United States, and typically it's like a bunch of angry right-wingers going to harass local municipal officials about what's in classrooms and stuff. But that I read this article, you sound like you're a well-pedigreed feminist. I was one of many women in this community that became advocates for women who suffered from um, assault and domestic violence and needed to have shelter. 
And as a result, eventually this community both built a shelter called Dove House and educating officials, cops, sheriffs, everybody on how to handle these cases. And now we have that place. However, I understand it is now gendered rather than sex-based. That is, I don't know who gets to sleep where in that shelter, but there you go. Well, we had a situation like that in Vancouver. Uh, in fact, there was this has been going on for years where I think the legal battle originally started when a male-bodied person wanted to be a rape crisis volunteer at the center, and they said no. Oh, man. Oh, I've heard that scenario. Holy smokes. Uh, and you can imagine how some women might respond to that. Uh, yeah. Oh, which is how I responded in the shower. Exact same stuff. It sounds like you were using the local swimming facility. It's kind of part of your regular practice. And then... Was it right that you heard sounded like a male voice in the in the in the shower? I swim regularly at the local pool. This is a very small town, ten thousand people. What's it called? The name of the town? Port Townsend in Washington State. The pool is owned by the school district. It's leased to the city and it's managed by the YMCA. Just recently, in the last year or two, and the dressing room for women is one big room and it has gang showers. Now they have um, shower curtains along some of them. And so in the shower I was, and I heard a man's voice. I looked over by, there's two toilet stalls with doors on them. I looked in that direction, not very far from me, and there was a man in a woman's swimsuit. The staff claimed that you were verbally abusive to this person. What, in fact, did you say to them? What I, in fact, said as I looked at him, I was just stunned. And I said, do you have a penis? And he said, it's none of your business. And I said, you need to get out of here right now. To my other side, in my vision came a staff person in a red shirt. And I said to her, get him out of here. And she said, without skipping a beat, you're discriminating and you are out of the pool forever. And I am calling the cops. That's what she said. Now, they tried to get you to stay at the facility while the police came, right? After I was dressed, I went into the foyer. That same staff person stood out there and she said to me, you are not following my principles and values. And I said, I do not follow ideologies, but I do respect human beings. And women who use this locker room may have been assault victims, and this is not right. And she said, she started in on her own personal story and said, I could not leave. And um, again, said she'd called the police. And I said, I'm leaving. I'm going over to the police station, which is right next door. Benefit of a small town, I guess, is that the police station was right next door. This facility, this Mountain View facility, was a school. So it has all these buildings, including the gym building. And now the city has divided up those school rooms into various things that the city uses, including the police station. Tell me about the attitude of the police, because I'm speculating that the police officer or officers must be, like, <laughs> wary about dealing with either side of this. I mean, it's a weird situation to put the police in, no? I would say that description would fit a whole lot of public officials, including the local newspaper. But nevertheless. Um, well, it sounds like one police officer took your statement and was pretty respectful to your side of the story. The police were all respectful. There there was a woman in the office. She asked what happened. I told her. She gave me the card for this detective who would, she said, call me. I told her I lived out of town. Would he come out to my home? She said yes. 
I asked her if I could leave. She said yes. So I did. Later on, a different policeman in the car uh, called me, asked me what happened. I told him, just as I'm telling you, I heard a man. I said what I said to the man. I gather later from somebody who wrote an article went after that police report. And in that report, this officer wrote touching and watching or something like that. I never saw him touching anybody. That did not happen. This article references Washington state law. It's called 162-32060. The law states that public facilities must allow individuals access to spaces that are consistent with that individual's gender expression or gender identity, whatever that is. Like even... It says more than that. Keep going. Uh, continuing that if an individual expresses discomfort, that's you, they should be, quote, directed to a separate or gender-neutral facility, end quote. Yes. Even if you don't like it, I'm guessing the YMCA just said, we're following the law, and it sounds like they are following the law, no? They think so. I talked with the CEO of the Olympic Peninsula YMCA. Her name is Wendy Bart. She told me that she assumes, that's her word, that The posters up around the gym area, pool area, pride posters, welcoming all, she assumes that's enough notification to women so that they can know what to expect. There's no signage on the door, nothing. In her defense, if you're, say, a college student, maybe that is sort of all the warning they need because there is a kind of coded language that... When you see these flags and a certain kind of very inclusive language like this facility caters to people of all gender expressions, that is a kind of coded language that means you will find penises in here. Really? I wouldn't know that. I'm guessing not everyone in society would interpret it like that. Uh, But I guess I've done enough stories on this issue to know that those kind of indicators to a person in a certain kind of political subculture, it's coded language that says... (laughs) Code and subculture... That's not me. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah. I, I'm 80 years old. I come from where there's XX and XY. So the times when I have been an advocate for women who have been assaulted, it was men who were most often the culprits. Not that it didn't happen the other way, but most often. And I, as I understand it, that is still the case. Credit to the town council. I've seen instances in the past where the attitude at the political level, is more like the staff at the YMCA, where they shut down debate. They're required to let everybody speak, and they do. Did you find it hurtful that there were people who came up, like there was one woman, she spoke right after you, she said she'd driven three hours. Basically, it sounds like she drove three hours to come call you a bigot. You know, I'm uh, so far more or less able to not take this stuff personally. What I'm aware of is watching this unfold I'm learning quite a bit. It's just stunning. Um, it's unfolding as as a belief system, like an ideology. And one of the things I learned, I, I had a picket sign at the school after this occurred for two days. I was there with a petition. And my sign said, men who identify as women are using the women's shower dressing room. And there were uh, trans people there who sometimes were just in conversation with me. Sometimes they were just heckling or, but very often it came up. You cannot say that if a person declares they're a woman, they're a woman. And that's all there is. You can't say man identifying as woman. And further than for the why, apparently, 
You can't put signs up like that because you would be discriminating. So anybody that says they're a woman and no questions asked. Well, the person you, I guess, called out in the shower, that person has publicly identified as a woman for, what, three or four months? I, I gather he's somewhat new to this gender change, but I, I don't know. Well, did the person, I, I mean, I guess there's this expression people use, some people can pass as a woman. Did this person pass as a woman? Not to my, my ears and eyes. <laughs> okay. I was very alert. My instincts were all revved up. I knew something was not right. I knew it, knew it. And now a word from our sponsor. BetterHelp Online Therapy. So if you're a longtime Quillette podcast listener, you'll know that I don't read a lot of AM radio style ads on this show for like diet supplements or weight loss gimmicks. And it's worth asking why most people don't put as much care or concern into protecting their minds as slimming their waistlines or getting whiter teeth and shinier hair. Now, there are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or getting exercise and meditation. But when going it alone can seem too difficult, there's also BetterHelp, online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you can choose whether or not you want to see anyone on camera during your therapy. BetterHelp has been advertising with Quillette for several years now, and so I've heard from some of our listeners who've benefited from it. They like the service, and they like the price, which is much more affordable than traditional in-person therapy. Quillette listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash Quillette. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Q-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. And now back to our Quillette podcast. It sounds like you actually believe in trans rights, but also believe that there's boundaries could you set out for me what you think trans rights, how they should be honored, and maybe what the boundary is in terms of protecting women and kids? Well, since I have been in a class of people that is women as second-class citizens, and know those battles have gone on for a few hundred years, and their persecution continues, I know it from that angle personally. Then I know it from my political activity, being an activist over the years, that, of course, about people of color and all kinds of situations where minority groups have often been persecuted. It seems to be a, a human phenomenon to have a pecking order. So I understand totally that trans people are catching that kind of crap from the the community and the culture at large because there's always underdogs going on. And I have a tendency to stand up for underdogs. I have demonstrated this all through my life. So I totally understand that position. However, I do not have the answer about what to do in these more, these public facilities. Given this law that's being interpreted the way it is, there is a need for a much more intelligent and wise conversation, particularly in this town, on how to develop policies that indeed are welcoming to all, not just one group over another group, which is the way it is right now. It's possible to do that. I think the physical plant at the pool could in fact have what the Y told me or told in, the, in their press release last year that they were adding a family 
changing room, all gender bathrooms, which they have not, they have not done. They've simply taken over the women's and I presume the men's dressing room, but I, I don't know how that works. But so I think there is a way to do this. And I do believe trans people like any minority need to have a respected position. People need to be able to dress and be themselves however they want to be, but not when it comes to the exec women being excluded or some people have said erased, which is what I am sensing at this point. There is a kind of false symmetry at play here, right? Because this policy you're describing at the Y, it also allows trans men to freely enter the men's locker room. By the way, I've been at men's locker rooms and tennis clubs and stuff like that where there are trans men and it doesn't really affect men in the room because they don't feel at all threatened. Men are at the top of the pecking order, as you know. There are some who would hear the way you talk about feminism, XX versus XY, and they would put you into this camp. Let me add, this is interesting. Have you heard the term TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist? Has, has anyone accused you of being a TERF? I think I heard that, and I've seen it spelled out in something somewhere. But I admit, I am not savvy about this stuff politically or from a feminist viewpoint. I simply am not anymore. Okay. But just, I'm warning you, you're going to be called a TERF. Like, that's that's the term of abuse. There's several terms they're using on me, and not very nice. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to call you an aquaturf. Ah, there, see? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I just made that one up. So, I, I, again, I found this city council meeting interesting. It was both interesting and unsettling. There was a nine-year-old child who spoke, uh, self-described as a non-binary person, went on to say that a person has this kind of mystical understanding of what gender they are. Is this the same nine-year-old that is described in this news article I read, because there was apparently some other nine-year-old, or maybe it's the same person who chastised you during your, your protest. Is that the same child? I believe it is the same one. The first time I ever saw her was at the, the city council, and I it was interesting listening to her. I, my first impression was very much like, can I say Greta-esque? This nine-year-old approached me, and this mother kept coaching her, and leaning toward me with a rather obnoxious, loud voice saying, you have to listen. She has has something to say to you. And I'd lean over and listen. And that girl had a pout on her face that was just like Greta. She was just exuding this kind of anger. At that picket line where I was holding my sign and my petition, she said to me, you are hurting me. Why are you so angry with me? You hurt me so badly. Like that. I finally looked up at this doll. Like, what are you doing? One suspects here? the kid's kind of being used as a prop. It appeared that way so much. And I found myself wanting again to ask for help. This was, I really felt for this kid. And, uh, but this woman, the whole time I was there, she was very loud. She was just haranguing me continually. Um, and with these little kids, she was definitely making a big loud statement for some purpose. You've got a few years on me, but I'm old enough to remember when the kind of personality you're describing, the mother, not the child, was the kind of person who would hang out outside abortion clinics and berate mothers going in for abortions. There, I would say you are right on. 
exactly. That was the sensation. I, I've never seen that firsthand at abortion clinics, but I've watched it on news events, and I, that was that's a perfect analogy. That's exactly what was going on. I've talked to a lot of people about this kind of issue, and, and one phenomenon they describe is a kind of feeling of political homelessness because, <laughs> well, they're accused of being phobic, uh-huh. Which that's maybe something they associate with the hard right wing is being phobic. And on the other hand, somebody like you, your roots are in, in feminism and local activism. I, I at least would associate with the left side of the spectrum. And, and I have spoken to people in your position, not quite in your position, but similar, like lifelong feminists who it really makes them question their politics. Has this been a kind of moment of political dislocation for you? In terms of being a victim and being, as they say, canceled, I'm definitely aware of that. I I have calls in. I have called city council, the police department, the Dove House. That's the the place for victims of assault. None of those people or, or those agencies have called me back. So what I experienced was that I was a culprit. And now, of course, the Y is saying that I have had multiple infractions at the pool. I know not about any of these things. This is made up. And this means if you stand way back, we're talking about an organization that once was very much involved with providing shelter for women and helping women find jobs and so on and so forth, the YWCA. Yet this is the position now. At the end of the day, though, you're you're banned. I can't use the exercise the pool that I, as a taxpayer, pay for, have for years, and my family has used for years, and I need now, as an older person, for regular exercise, no more. What's the what's the closest pool? Squim. Squim is 35 miles down Highway 101, and that's an expensive pool. That would be a very expensive drive, and the pool itself is more expensive. Are you worried, even if you get there, like you're on some watch list or something? I would bet you anything. I haven't tried it, <laughs> but I would bet you anything. Julie Jaman, thank you so much for being on the Quillette Podcast. And thank you for talking with me. If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette. If you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do you like what you're hearing? Perhaps you would like to read more about the issues in today's discussion. Head to Quillette.com where you will find more content.